Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman. I'm the editor-in-chief here at Modern Retail, and I'm joined here with Carla Gallardo, the co-founder and CEO of Kuyana, uh, an apparel and accessory company. And I'm excited to talk about sort of all of the craziness that I'm sure she's experienced as a founder of an apparel company during these wild times and uh, just what's going on in the overall DTC space. But hey, Carla, how's it going? Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Kale. Excited to chat. Me too. Um, first, I always like to ask people, so what's, what is the history and story behind Koyana? Woo, long story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the short version. Um, so uh, it started all back in Ecuador. I grew up there, uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, for college. But the way I grew up uh, and just the philosophy of my home and uh, my upbringing down there was about being fewer better. Um, and so rather than purchasing um, quantity, you know, my parents were always very thoughtful about what we bought, where we bought it from. And it was all about making things last. I think it's also a little bit more of a cultural thing there, right? If you're the soles of your shoes, you know, get damaged, you go to the shoe uh, maker. If you, if, you know, the seam of your pants gets undone, you go to the seamstress to get it fixed, you don't, um, you know, throw away or dispose of items so so quickly. And um, so when I moved here to the US, I, I was, um, you know, had many surprises about just consumer behavior in general. But the one thing I noticed uh, was that consumers didn't really weren't as attached to their products as as, as we we were back at home. And there was this uh, relationship uh, between product and customer that wasn't as um, as strong and as as beautiful, right? As, as it was back home when, when I, when I felt that we invested in our products here, it was more of buying something that you would dispose of. And there was a lack of access to quality too. There was a ton, a ton of options. And for me, going to the malls here was always an incredible experience because we didn't really have that, um, in Ecuador. Um, but you know, there was just, it seemed like there was a lot of opportunity, but a little bit of a lack of, of connection. And so fast forward, um, many years, I, uh, I ended up studying math in college. I ended up uh, doing uh, banking and working in New York. But I really always had this thing inside of me that wanted to start um, a brand that was about connecting consumers to the products they purchased and giving them access to quality uh, and making those purchases special, intentional, and fewer better. And uh, I wasn't ready to start. Uh, uh, was a banker in New York, and so I ended up going to business school to kind of gain better, uh, uh, more of a one-on-one on how to start a business, and uh, and graduated and, and got started with with Kuyana. So my business school application essay was a very raw draft of the business plan of what became Kuyana later. Um, but that's how it all started. I would say from a business standpoint, there are a couple of trends that really helped push the Kuyana concept into the market when, when we launched. The first one was consumers were tired of fast fashion by 2010. Uh, there was a huge fast fashion wave that you know consumers were really excited about those products but by by 2010 there was fatigue there was you know uh, the satisfaction with the quality a lot of um of uh, of um news was coming out on in terms of the conditions of the factories where these products were made and so there was an opportunity for something better right after that bubble burst and the second thing that happened more from a supply chain standpoint was 
there was access to work with factories that made goods for luxury brands only before. And the reason for this is a lot of these premium brands had moved on to Asia to, to find better costing for the cut and sew of the products. And they left behind you know, many factories um, in micro industries that we really were excited about. Um, leather in Italy, leather in Argentina, um, cashmere in Scotland. Um, and so the supply chain was open for disruption. Interesting. And uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you first launched, you were online only and you were, you know, you were one of the, that those early brands that that sold predominantly online, correct? That's correct. So can you talk a little, because I, I always love to talk with founders like you who were part of, you know, not the, who saw the first wave of DTC sort of come up. And so how did that work out? And especially now that the things are kind of changing, how do you see sort of the channel mix nowadays? Yeah. Are you asking how, how did we pick to be direct to consumer? Yeah. How do you pick to be direct to consumer? And then also like cut to 10 years later, how, how, how are you thinking about that now? Oh yeah, definitely. So. Warby Parker was really, you know, the the pioneer of direct to consumer and really opened uh, the floor to um, give a similar offering, right, in many other verticals of retail. And part of the Cuyana Valley proposition was about giving access to to quality, right? And before Warby Parker, really, you know, the opportunity what that 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 we that the focus was on was more on the supply chain, right? How do we become more efficient to be better with costing, right? Because the quality, we were always going to give great, great quality. So how, how can we be more effective from a supply chain standpoint to achieve better costing so we can provide better price points for the customer? But once Warby Parker really um, you know, created this direct-to-consumer model, there was huge opportunity now on the on the margin side and um, and really giving that wholesale price to the customer rather to a, to a distributor right to um, that would then sell it to the customer and so so it was all, the, the choice was really obvious back then right it was well this worked right on, on in the frames um, uh, vertical can we can we do this on the accessories and apparel side um, let's try it and of course knowing right the 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 challenge here is well now we have to work really hard, right, to sell our products one by one. We don't have the help of the distributor. Um, so how do we build an incredible marketing model that allows us to grow on our own? Um, and so that has been really, you know, the, the exciting challenge through the years. And it's been different through time and the, the opportunities that we've, um, that we've attacked in order to, to be ahead. Uh, you know, originally our business started on, on the digital side in 2011. And we were very silent. We, we actually weren't selling to the large public, we weren't investing in marketing at all. We spent two years really perfecting our supply chain. But in two 2013, we, we came to market and, and we call it year more of our official launch year. And we actually came out to market um, saying, you know, we are we've, yeah, we're starting on digital, but we actually are starting with, uh, with a small retail arm. And retail was one of the channels where we put our bet on, uh, physical retail. We knew that as growth was going to have to happen, we're going to invest on digital growth, but so was every other digital business. And acquiring customers um, online only was going to get to a point where it was going to be too expensive. And so then what's next, right? And at that point, everybody was getting away from retail. And that actually posed an opportunity to us. And it was about 
making retail different. So how do we take advantage of this, right? How do we sign short-term leases? How can we test this concept? How can we run more effective stores? There was that big opportunity there, and that's how we started. Fast forward to today, you know, retail is an important ch uh, channel for us. We, we've always believed in it from 2013 onwards. We have eight stores um, across the country. We've ran about eight pop-ups in other cities uh, where, you know, eventually, and of course, depending on how the world pans out, because now we have Corona uh, happening, right? We'll, we'll, we'll figure out how we continue enhancing the strategy or how we pivot and modify it. Um, but Without Corona, this this is the one place where we were really um, fueling our growth from, and 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 just kind of you know uh, uh, addressing that direct to consumer challenge um, that uh, we're seeing. We were seeing at least last year other brands uh, face and starting to actually create their retail channels. Interesting. So I feel like so we'll we'll go into coronavirus soon because I I'm, I'm sure that threw a wrench into everything that was going on. But let's say up until February of, of this year, a lot of the a lot of the theses that you followed, at least when you first started in 2013, had been shifted a lot specifically with customer acquisition and also with retail, because a lot of more places were testing out retail. So what was sort of your growth plan, let's say, at the beginning of this year? Were, were you investing in expanding your, your retail fleet or sort of how were you approaching digital customer acquisition then too? Yes, definitely. And we look at the model as a model that, you know, includes both. And our goal is for our customer to actually be able to um, to experience the brand through both. So if they come in through the retail door, right, they'll they'll be able to 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 access right, the digital channel and, and then go back to retail and all to serve her convenience. Um, yes, we I mean, we we believe in both and, and 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 this year we you know we we were set uh, forth to invest in both um channels we actually just at the beginning of um the year right before corona we just opened two more doors boston and chicago wow. uh, and so those are two brand new stores uh that um that we were opening doors in, and and right after came um our madison store so this was a year where we were starting off with three new doors <laughs> oi um, so can you well, then let's go into coronavirus because we're here. So what happened? Did you, I'm assuming for at least a small time you had to close all of your stores. What was what was sort of the impact to the bottom line? Yeah, I mean, you know, Corona hit early this year and we had to make a choice. Um, do we take a, a strong stance and uh, prepare the company for a long uh, period of uh I don't want to be too pessimistic, but you know, for, for, for a long downturn, right, where the global economy may be hit for a very long time, or do we wait to see what's going to happen um, and kind of take it a little bit at a time? We decided to actually go for, the, for, for that first option and take a stance and prepare the company for a long period of hurt. And we had to make some very hard decisions. Uh, but we prioritized what mattered to us. The first one was the safety of our um, customers and our uh, employees. And so from the very early days, you know, we shut, we, we closed all of our stores. Um, and, um, and, you know, the second thing for us was to also prioritize our customer and how, you know, strategize how we were going to face this virus, right? Assuming that it was going to take at least a year. And how we were going to treat our customer during it, right? And, and, and how are we going to 
then set up the company, right, to survive through that long time, putting our customer first. Um, and, and that meant that we were going to be careful, right? The, the first thing we were going to do was actually slow down. And rather than in a moment of crisis, right, where sales, of course, are going to be hurt, push product harder, right? Try to sell as much as we can so that we're not left with inventory. And we saw that, you know, happen just in industry-wide, right? That sense of, of, of uh, we could see how hurt a lot of brands were. We, we, from the early days, decided to take the opposite stance and actually not push product to our customers when there was a moment of fear and we didn't even know how to take care of ourselves during a virus like this. Um, and so we stopped pushing product for a while. We actually used that time to connect in a stronger way with our customers to introduce the concept of slow living, right? And this is one of the tenets of our brands, how to be intentional, how to slow down. Um, there was a lot of, uh, we connected with our customer basically through content, Right. It was it was not through sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and we prepare the company to do that for for a while. Right. From a financial standpoint, uh, we, we we took some we made some hard choices at the beginning and we actually share these with our customers. Uh, we downsized our business um, earlier in the year in preparation of, of, a, of a, this, this long period with, though, the goal of, um, of waiting until there's uh, more stability so that we could rebuild quickly. That was our goal. Um, we didn't want to do the opposite of waiting how things, you know, kind of turn out and then slowly have to make these decisions through time and then maybe not make it. We took the opposite stance. And so the company, from a financial standpoint, was prepared to have, you know, a different year than we had originally planned for. Um, and again, you know, we put as a priority the safety of our customers and our employees, as well as uh, just the, the 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 psychology of our own customers. A few a month later or so, right, things started to become a little bit more clear, and we were able to resume our activity as a company to to sell product, to you know share with our customers um, more collections, etc. But the way we did that was also a little different. We um, worked with our factories around the world in a way that was really collaborative. You know, we had originally designed product that was intended for a different mood, for a different purpose, right? And now all of a sudden we knew that our customer was going to be in her home most of the time or when she's out, she needs to be hyper-functional. And so we had to kind of rethink the product that we had already planned to launch this year. Um, And we needed to shift some things and change some things and try to be as relevant as possible for her. But we didn't want to do that at the expense of, number one, our own factories, right? And, 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 and cancel orders or do any of, of that, uh, of those moves, because ultimately we were partners with them. And then the second thing is we didn't want to, um, you know, just have inventory um, on our shelves for, for lo- too long and, and also hurt the company financially. So we partnered with our factories to make some changes, to make some moves where both both sides, uh, you know, took some sacrifices in order to gain opportunity in the future and to, you know, allow this the, our company to survive through this period. And so that allowed us to rethink the product strategy, to launch product, right, that we felt was more relevant for this time, to not launch a certain product that wasn't relevant. So we moved some productions to later in the year, to actually some to next year. And we rethought all of that. Um, and, and so with that, you know, with those three things, uh, we are where we are today. I have to say that it was hard, right? We had to move quickly. We had to make some very 
hard choices, but we are now in rebuilding mode. We've been able to rehire um, several of our employees uh, back and we and our goal is to really get the company back to where it was before. Um, the, our customer is now, we understand her now, right? We we now know that this virus is going to continue to be, right, our lifestyle and it's going to be, we still have a long way to go. But we know what we need, what she needs um, during this time. And so now we are actually designing into that. Uh, and, 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 and just building our company towards a little bit of a different lifestyle, but still being the fewer, better brand that we've been from the very beginning. All right. There, there's a lot there uh, that I want to dig into first. So you, you mentioned the content aspect when you weren't pushing product, you were just working to connect with your, uh, with your customer. Can you talk a little bit about exactly how you did that? Was that with Instagram content, with emails, with with blog posts, what was it that, how, how were you approaching your customers so that you were trying to have a one-to-one connection with them? Yeah, all of those. Our customer is in different places, right? You know, we have we have an audience in, in social media. We have our audience who reads our emails. Uh, we, and um, we have, you know, we, we also have uh, an audience that's in other um, in other brands, audiences who doesn't, you know, who doesn't know us yet, but it may be interested in us. And so we really attacked all of the touch points that we could through, uh, you know, in, in yeah, social media posts, Insta lives, uh, email content, a newsletter that we've created, um, and, and, and we're able to, to, to connect with her in that way. I think one of, one of the th- things that was really most important during the time is, how um, honest and authentic we were about what was going on internally too and what our stance was during this time. Um, you know, our, just as a company, when we closed doors, why we did it, uh, we shared with our customers that we, you know, we were going to be um, downsizing our team in order to survive this time. And we were very open about it. We've just kind of also shared as a business what's going on internally during this time. And it's that you know, we've received a lot of empathy from our customers and just has allowed us to build a different type of relationship with her. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Please stay with us. Were you tracking, I guess, engagement on this? Yes. I imagine that it was, especially in a category like yours, which is, you know, not like not fast fashion, not cheap. You're trying to figure out when is a good time when people will feel comfortable about buying these kinds of more luxury goods again was this sort of a factor into how you figured that out yes definitely we you know we the, we track everything um and you know we 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 wanted to also test right and see is it is it time yet or is it not time yet um and 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 you know via all the metrics that we track uh we were able to 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 re-enter her, you know, this, 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 this world of product again, in a way that made sense for her. Again, I think the most important thing to do that was uh, for us to have the right product, right. To introduce to her and, and at that time. And so there's, you know, a big shift in what she needs today versus what she was buying before. Got it. And yeah, that leads perfectly to the the supply chain partnership you made or the new, the new program you had with your, um, manufacturers. Can you talk a little bit about that? So what was it just simply in the the amount of new products you were creating? What was the exact collaboration and how did it work? Yeah, of course. Look, you know, we, there there were orders that we had already placed for products that needed to be made from scratch, others that were replenishment orders and so it was about kind of reorganizing ourselves and being able to uh, continue with what made sense for the customer, what we thought would make sense for the customer versus pushing out 
the other uh, orders as much as we could. And this is something that for factories is, is a hard thing to do as well, right? They've planned for those orders. They've organized their factories. They've planned their uh, teams, their payroll. And so being able to to, to re- basically reorganize two businesses at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a true partnership. Um, and so, 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 so that's one. The second thing uh, was... Uh, also, right, uh, there's, we knew that there will be a change in customers' um, ability to purchase and uh, from a price point standpoint. And so how can we produce more effectively or how could we, as Kuyana, right, allow uh, or, or, or create better price points for our customers without hurting, right, our factories or the workers? And, and how can we get there, right? So transparently being able to have those conversations with uh, the owners of our factories to see where where, where the, was their room that wouldn't hurt anybody and where would Kuyana actually take more, you know, more of that cost so that we could provide a better value offering to our customer where many of our customers were losing their jobs too. So um, those two were, you know, the primary places where we where we focused on in order to bring a better product offering to our customer this year. Got it. Can you talk a little bit about uh, when you decided to begin pushing product again, have a few new product launches. How were you approaching customer acquisition at the time? Yeah, you know, the the goal, one of the big, big moments uh, earlier in the year when we planned for a long uh, Corona period was we are going to focus on our brand and our customer. We're not going to focus on those numbers. And we're going to set ourselves up, right, so that we understand where the numbers uh, directionally will will land so that we can be prepared to sustain them, right? So the company makes it, right? We have, you know, we can cover our costs, but our goal isn't to to push us hard, right? So that we can be intentional, right? And the nice thing about that is that it naturally, naturally you 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 end up in a place where your customer just connects with you in an even stronger way and um and 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 your business actually right grows in a very organic way, but it's it's just in a, in, in, in a nicer way than if you're pushing. We don't want to be the pushers. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, uh, we, you know, we, we changed the way that we, we launched product. We actually, back in the day, we used to launch a product per week. And uh, then before Corona, we were at a point where we were actually launching, you know, a small capsule collection every month and devoting the month to that capsule collection. So we actually ended up reverting back to launching a product a week post-corona. And the reason of that being that, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were putting out very intentional products that made sense and allowing for that product to have airtime with the customer so the customer could really understand it and, you know, make an intentional purchase. So just again, you know, this concept of slow living from a lifestyle standpoint, also was a part of just our relationship with our customer and how we present product to her. Interesting. And with these with these new product, you know, one product per week, were you how were you promoting it on social? Were you going with your your current customers, or were you were you going for a, a pretty real uh, new customer acquisition model? Yeah, we. I mean, both, right? We we continue with our acquisition tactics uh and and, and uh but you know one of the we haven't talked about this one but retail right we we yeah. did we 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 had to set a strategy to reopen doors and retail as well and figure out how we were going to uh redesign that channel for the moment being because that was that that is one of our 
big entry points from a new customer standpoint. Um, and so, yeah, so slowly activating, right, our marketing model, basically. And so, so yes, so first crisis mode, everything shut down. We really focused on you know, connecting with our customer, not pushing product when their customers shouldn't be thinking about what to buy. She should be thinking about how to organize herself to be safe. Then, right, when things started to become more clear from just the, what was this virus about, how do we take care of ourselves? Um, then we started to slowly uh, reintroduce our product launches. Our marketing model started to reactivate itself. And, and from that, you know, that means in our stores, how do we reopen them? How do we uh, communicate with our customer via email, um, digital advertising, catalog? Like, how do we do all of these channels and, and kind of how do we reintroduce all of this uh, during a moment where, you know, it felt like it was a, where it was a crisis, really? Um, and, and now we're fast forward, right? November where we are in, in the midst of the holiday season, um, starting, uh, our customer, we, you know, she's, she's changed a little bit, but, uh, she's somewhat right back, uh, in, 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 in a way, uh, that her lifestyle has changed, but we, we both understand each other. Right. And, and, and how, how to communicate, how to, uh, how to introduce products to her and, and what she needs, because our goal is to be relevant to her, and and, and that's our main priority. Mm-hmm. And so, where are things volume wise now? Are they generally back to normal? Are they a little bit down? And when do you see them? To, you know, you said you were looking at things directionally going back to to the general, I guess, return to normal. What's the outlook for that? Yeah, you know, we're 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 in a very exciting place, which is that you know we're performing much better than we had planned for. Uh, so we're, we're in a better place than we had planned for, which means that we can, we're more excited about the future than we were earlier this year. Got it. And I, you, I was reading, a I think a business of fashion article about you from 2019 and you, it mentioned that, uh, at the time and things were very different back then. So I understand things changed, but that you were spending about $45 per customer on marketing and taking in about $75 in a profit. Uh, is how have the dynamics with that shifted? Not so much. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, not so much. Uh, you know, we're yeah, we're we're hovering, and you know, it's a little bit of a range. I think that's it's around that 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 area. But the the philosophy, the numbers are pretty much in in, in that same place that where they were back then. Um, so uh, you know, our goal as a business and the way that we've built this business has been to build a business that can stand on its own feet. Um, so you know, we we want to make a profit upon first purchase. Uh, we want to make sure, right, that the model can scale. Uh, we don't want to think about how do we make a profit when we're a little too big and can't really figure that part out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So l- looking forward, sort of where are the areas that you're trying to sort of put gas onto? And also, are you have you changed the kind of calculation in terms of sales volume between digital and retail now that retail oh, is yes. opening, but it's not what it, what it was before? Yep. So priorities, let's, let's go, <laughs> let's, let's focus on that first. Um, we are focused on product, right? It's our number one focus, product. How do we continue to, uh, uh, to, to design and create an assortment that's relevant to her? Uh, that's our number one priority. And alongside that is how do we, uh, how do we present these products to her, right? And, and but that is like a little bit of a larger concept because it involves our brand, right? What is our brand about and how do we connect with her through our brand? 
to deliver these products to her. So those, those really are the areas where we're focused on, you know, product design and our brand experience. And it's, it's, it's the, we love that, right? It's a, you know, in a way, Corona has really allowed us to double down on what Kuyana is about. Right? Our customer wants to be more intentional than ever. She wants to, she's more picky than ever. And really that's, that's our whole philosophy. So it gets us really excited and, you know, we're just, we're loving doing what we're doing specifically right now. So those are our areas of focus. Now, in terms of the split of, of where we see business coming in in the next right year or so, we have not given up on retail. Uh, retail, our, our stores are open. It's a different retail uh, model. And we're going to have to figure out how we adjust for the long term, right? Whether this actually is a moment to pivot on the retail experience or uh, is this um, or is this just a temporary moment, right? This is what we're constantly analyzing and trying to, to figure out. But yes, the bulk of our business continues to be digital, right? More contribution than pre, uh, during pre-corona times will, is, is, is what's expected from digital. Um, but we're not, we're not giving up on the retail side yet. That's great. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. Carla, this has been such a great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Kale, for having me. It was fun. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. Our producer is Pierre Bienname, who also produced our theme music. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week. Thank you.